Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be reacting and kind of breaking down to the Thunder's new ratings on NBA 2K22. I'm also going to be talking about Gabrielle Deck and the new news heading back his way. This is like the 10th time I feel like I've had to talk about it this offseason, but there is some closure here. And then I'm also going to be giving you guys a top-of-the-line deal from my good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. But to kick things off, I want to talk about NBA 2K22. And I'm going to be honest, when it comes to video games and when it comes to sports games, I've kind of been an NBA 2K addict since I can remember. And my kind of knowledge of the NBA... I think I can name a decent bit of like those random, random guys from the 2000s because I grew up on the GameCube playing like NBA Live 03, Jason Kidd on it, Vince Carter, Carmelo Anthony, NBA Live 05 was amazing. Um, and then there was kind of a gap because I started out with those. I started playing the 2Ks, NBA 2K12, I think it was, and I haven't really missed one since. So I've kind of just been straight up addicted. I'm playing it like all the time. Um, but I think as of recently, I'm really not playing it as much. I think when it look, you know, when I look at it, I think 2K17 is probably my favorite personally. I don't know if you guys have played it. If not, you're probably like, what is he talking about? Pretty much just, you know, basketball video game. It's like the only one that is out right now because all the other competition cannot keep up with them. So they, they are really controlling the market, but I haven't really played it a lot. Uh, I've actually been playing NBA 2K20, which is, I guess, now two years old, because I really just didn't enjoy NBA 2K21, and I have not purchased 22 yet. They did come out with the rosters, though. The game got released last week, um, so maybe I'll get into it. Maybe I can tell you guys a little bit about how I feel about the players uh, and how they feel, but I can just base it off of the ratings right now. And It's pretty interesting how NBA 2K likes to rate things because there's a lot of different metrics and scales that kind of go into it. So look at individual attributes. This is like a three-point shot, a dunk rating, whether it's driving, standing. There's a lot of mismatch and a lot of broken down subcategories they like to make. Uh, And I actually enjoy it. There's a lot of different areas where people can have high or low, uh, you know, attributes. And it starts from 25, goes to 99, And then there's obviously the actual overall that's cumulative. And then there's badges where they're not part of your overall. It's not a number, but it does help you get better animations, I guess you could say. So if you're going for like a dunk, if you're very good at like posterizer dunks or something, I forgot what they call it now. I think it's contact finisher. If you have that, you're probably going to be able to make a dunk in contact a lot better than someone who might have a higher dunk rating than you but they do not have a badge like that so there's a lot that goes into it uh and you know i'm just going to be breaking it down kind of one by one but this scaling here in terms of overall is something that has always kind of irked me a bit and you'll see it as i get into this list but they don't really do a very good job in my opinion of kind of breaking down the elites between just the middle of the pack because there are a lot of just bundles of people um, that are going to be found not just on the Thunders roster but league-wide just kind of part of the game but to start things out Oklahoma City's number one guy it's pretty obvious 
It's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and he's going to headline the roster at an 86 overall. And honestly, when I first saw this, I thought it was a bit of a disservice to him. He was dropping, what, 23.7 points, almost six assists, and a little above four rebounds a game. And like half the season, he was dominant. And it was clear when he was on the court, the Thunder could take anybody on. And when he fell off, I think the team in general kind of veered into... The direction of a lot of people sitting out, a lot of losses, and a lot of ping pong balls that really didn't swing uh, their way. But looking at him now, yeah, I mean, he was an 84 in NBA 2K21. I think when you compare SGA going into last season to this season, it's a lot different. I think a plus two is not a very good deal going his way because... You know, he did have a very good sophomore campaign with the Thunder. He did an excellent job concluding the year with Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul, but nothing near the levels of what he was doing last season. So I would want him a little higher, maybe like an 88, um, but they put him at 86 here, and it's not bad company because they do kind of tinker with the overalls a lot. It's not that bad. He is tied for seventh best among point guards, primary point guards. So if you're a guy like a James Harden where you're a shooting guard, but you can also play point guard. No, he's a shooting guard. I'm looking at just point guards. He's tied for seventh. And the only man who's sharing company at 86 overall happens to be Russell Westbrook. So kind of a cool situation right there. Um, Obviously, the play style's very, very different among the two, but give him same 86 and his stats are not all that bad when you start things out i think the thing that pops out to me he actually has the best three-point rating on the thunder and it's only an 83 which i think they've been a lot more stern on handing out high overalls specifically when it comes to shooting i've looked at some of the top charts here 83 is really not all that bad seth curry clay thompson those are the top two those are kind of no-brainers you understand it Duncan Robinson and Joe Harris are, I think, a 90 overall, and we know Joe Harris is lethal, Duncan Robinson is lethal, SGA is lethal, but it's a little bit different, I guess you could say, in terms of how they're scoring from distance, so I don't think 83 is all that terrible. It's ahead of everyone on the roster. I think second best is an overall or two below, but I understand giving him an 83, given that he did shoot in the low 40s from distance last season now when you go beyond the three look at the inside has a 92 layup that's actually pretty good and it makes sense why he'd have a very high driving layup because he was one of the best in the business to do it last year there were not a lot of guys to kick the ball out to there were not a lot of opportunities for him to dump the ball down though I think a lot of the times you'd see rotations where SGA was with a Horford or Muscala to where you know, the guy was not running to the rim with him. He had to do everything on his own, and he wanted to drive through contact, and he he did a really good job. Now, should he have kicked it out a little bit more? Doesn't matter, but he was getting through the contact, getting free throws, just flat out making some acrobatic shots. So 92, that's good for him. Looking at handling, though, he has a 90 ball handle, which is also kind of in that upper echelon of guards, and then he tops it off with an 88 passing accuracy. So I think they hit the main things with him. I could be all nitpicky in terms of he's better than this guy, he's better than this guy. I think when you look at 85s, guys like De'Aaron Fox and John Morant are there. So I think it's respectable that they gave 
him in 86 overall. But the real controversy that I've seen from just all different sources of social media outlets, posts, they're upset about what happens in the gap from one to two. Lou Dort is the second best guy on this team. I don't really think that's up for much debate. They gave him a 78 overall though. And it's not terrible. When you look at Canadians that are in the NBA, he, he's actually fifth. And SGA is first on the list. I think Murray is second at an 85. But it looks respectable on paper. Now, when you look into comparisons and what I was talking about with how they bunch overalls together, it gets a little bit messy. But on the surface level, it's not bad. He leads the team in defensive badges, which means he's going to be the primary guy to lock a number one down. They got that right on the money. He has 12 defensive badges. Then has a couple other ones to supplement it. I think six spread around shooting and finishing as well. But big deal. He's got to be able to defend. And he has an 83 perimeter defense and an 86 lateral quickness. Like those two, help defense is one of his strengths. He's got that at an 82 overall. But he gets shorted in some areas. He only has a 51 block and then... On the interior, he really can't defend all that well. He has a 52 interior defense. And then when you look into specific categories where this is where you bunch in statistics like dunks, layups, etc. Only has a 59 on inside scoring. And he has a low 60s rating and playmaking as well. So he's kind of a one-trick pony, sadly, which I am not all that fond of. I think we know he's kind of a multi-dimensional guy now. And they showed some of that in terms of how he can shoot the basketball. They did give him a 76-3 ball and 80 mid-range. I know last season when they first got the rankings out, Lou Dort was really a nobody to them. And you can't blame him. I mean, they, he had that one major game seven, but it wasn't like he was showing out on offense. So they gave him good stats when it comes to shooting, defending, I like the archetype and I like the mold that they centered him around, but the overall, I'd probably want to put it benchmark 80. I think that's kind of where if you're going to go this route of a lot of people being in the 70s and the 80s, not a lot of 90s, I think 80s kind of that upper tier of players and Lou Dort is definitely that. And the reason I'd say that, Moses Brown, who's now on the Mavericks, he's a 77 overall and he had good stats. He looked great in his limited minutes. I don't know how exactly that projects to playoff basketball and all that. I really like him, though. I, I wish the Thunder held on to him. I don't know if there's just a plus one between those two, though. I think Lou Dort is kind of um, out of that kind of grouping, but it is what it is. Moving beyond those, though, you get past SGA and Dort. Start looking at some of these veterans, and I've kind of been going in descending order. I'm going to break that right here because I'm going to talk about the two 30-year-olds. Derek Favors is a 77, which is the third best on the team. But Mike Muscala, he's a 74, which is not the third best, not the fourth best. I think it's like seventh or eighth best. But when you look at Derek Favors, I think it's just like Moses Brown, where there's no way there should just be a one overall gap between himself and Lou Dort. Like... It's odd. I do think the name value and just the marketability sometimes overpowers a lot of stuff. And Derek Favors is a good player. I mean, he's been a great bench guy for like the last two seasons. Um, obviously, kind of got relegated to the bench. But yeah, he's been solid. I, I don't hate it, I guess. But 
just like the thing with Dort, and he's someone who's going to be able to get down low, rebounding-wise, he's going to be the best on the Thunder, has a 90 offensive rebounding and an 83 defensive rebounding, and then on the interior, offensively, he'll be pretty good, 89 close shot, 85 strength, and that's kind of all you're going to need. So if you're playing 2K, don't recommend using Derek Favors in the mid-range, the three. I think we kind of all know what to expect from a guy like Derek Favors, but that's kind of the nod. They opted to go with him. And then when you want to look beyond him to the other 30-year-old in Mike Muscala, a lot of it just has to do with shooting the basketball. And they got this correct. I'm just going to riddle out all the other categories. There's outside scoring, inside defending, athleticism, playmaking, and rebounding. He has a 65 for inside scoring, 54 for defending, 65 athleticism, 47 playmaking, and a 56 rebounding. Those are all terrible. Those are numbers that would not put you in the league whatsoever, but he's one of the better scorers on the offensive end, and they got that correct. He has a 79 three ball, an 80 mid-range, 89 close shot, and a 91 free throw. So, just like in real life, you're really just going to put him in pick and pop situations or just keep him on the outside. I like what they did with Mike Muscala. I was kind of afraid they were going to shortchange him just because he didn't play a lot. And I think the numbers statistically were well for him, but sometimes they just kind of botch things up when it comes to the bench pieces. I think they got Mike Muscala correct overall wise, but also just how he's going to play for you because he is someone who, unlike a Dort or whatever, he's more of a one-trick pony, and he's just a situational guy who can dominate under the proper situations. But moving beyond those, you start looking into the youth again, and this is what people are probably most excited for. There's a trio of guys that are 75 overalls, Josh Giddy, Darius Baisley, and Ty Jerome. And Josh Giddy. That's the person everyone really wants to know about, and I don't blame you. And he is, just like Lou Dort, in the top five in his country rankings. He's the fifth highest rated Australian. I think he's tied with Matisse Thibel for the 75 overall. But yeah, he has a pretty decorated stat line. I think they gave him actually one of the more well-rounded bases among rookies this year so if you're playing my leagues or you're trying to develop the thunder roster josh giddy's gonna have a really good trajectory on your team he has an 85 potential which isn't all that wild you kind of want it to be in the 90s but you can still make something out of that i know uh at least on the like playstation 4 xbox one consoles you can put them into camps to make their potential go up he'd be an all-star if you're running a franchise with him just because there aren't a lot of notable you know like issues with his game not a lot of weaknesses you can pinpoint and how they wanted to rate him 59 inside scoring we know he can't dunk a lot of this incorporated into inside scoring is like post moves so it makes sense anyways 65 driving dunk 45 standing dunk he can't really dunk 79 layup though i think that's all right defending not one of his best areas and he has a 70 lateral quickness I feel like if they would have kind of put him in a bad spot lateral quickness is where they would have plummeted him in rankings but it's not the case at all he has a 69 premier defense 50 on the interior just not a lot going for him but everywhere else I love 
what he ends up bringing to the table. And I think value-wise, he ousts every other 75 overall in the game because he's going to be able to shoot the ball for you all three levels, 70 mid-range, 73 three-point shot, which if you know how to shoot on there with the meters and such, it'll be like an 85. He'll be hitting three balls for you. And then also 69 free throw, not amazing, but I think you can also work with it. In terms of speed, for someone who's 6'8", and as he claims, 6'9", pretty fast to be at a 76 overall. Same goes with acceleration, good at hustling, just good in that area in general. Made him pretty damn athletic. The big strong suit, though, is his playmaking, and this is where the secondary ball handler title really comes into fruition uh, into this game, not just in real life. I think we kind of know things a little bit better than what the video game may let off, but they did a really good job. I mean, he's the second best playmaker. He has an 83 ball handle and passing, 76 speed with ball, so He's not going to be blazing by you. I don't really see him as someone with a quick first step anyways, so it makes sense with what they did here. The one problem is they didn't give him any badges, so there's really no areas that are going to be emphasized until they make any updates, but also, and this is something they're going to have to change, I saw online that Josh Giddy's tendency to shoot a three ball is zero out of 100. And that means unless you're playing the game, Josh Giddy's not going to be shooting three point shots. He's going to be trying to drive in. He's going to be trying to kick out. You can leave him wide open from three and he's simply not going to take the shot. So they'll need to patch that up. They probably will, but that's just kind of the one nitpick I would have on him. Other than that though, home run and i think for a budget team when you're looking for lower overalls josh giddy is going to be the cream of the crop other 75 overall though who doesn't have as great of a stat line is darius baisley he's someone who can shoot a bit 72 three ball 70 mid-range 80 driving dunk and just like giddy sort of fast mid 70s for speed and such handling the ball he's not even in the 70s so they really didn't give him much credit for his ability to handle the ball they kind of gave him more of a cushion though in terms of shooting so what we see or at least what I've seen from Baisley you know he's been expected to be like a point forward type but he hasn't been able to shoot they kind of took the opposite side of the coin here where they're thinking he can shoot but he really can't play make and A lot of the badges that they give him are actually meant for passing the basketball around, which I find a bit interesting based on how they kind of graded him, but that's what they did. I mean, I would not play him over Baisley, I think, or over Giddy, Um, but maybe you could try to run him in like a second unit. They did all right, though. I wish they kind of did change a little bit of those stat lines up, flip-flop, playmaking, and all of that. Beyond that, at a 75 is Ty Jerome. This is the only other person who really was competing with SGA for the three-point shot. He has an 82, which is just a minus one compared to SGA. And he's kind of just like Muscala, where he's meant to be shooting. Mid-range is in the mid-70s, 82 three-ball. He'll be jacking up a lot of shots for you. Didn't give him a high speed. 69 is pretty bad for a point guard. Same with acceleration. They did give him a really decorated stat line, though, when it comes to kicking the ball out. 86 ball handling with an 84 passing accuracy. 
Ty Jerome, believe it or not, is one of the top guys in assist to turnover ratios. And I think in general, that stat is a little interesting because guys like Tyus Jones have been just ruling that stat for years. Uh, but he does not turn the ball over that often. So I like what they did. He's going to be one of your primo bench guys. And based on how 2K is, a lot of it is just trying to dunk on people and taking limitless range three-point shots. Ty Jerome on this looks like he'll be able to do so. So I I would think he'd be a fan favorite among Thunder fans. Another fan favorite though, 74 overall is Alexei Pokusevsky. And it doesn't matter what his ratings are. I think people are going to play with this guy regardless because he's a seven footer and... If you're seven feet tall and you have a seven three wingspan, doesn't matter what anything else says. He will be dominant and he definitely is going to do some damage. Only has an 80 potential, which I don't really respect that on 2K side. He's 19 years old. He's a lot younger than some of the rookies coming in now, but they did give him some stats specifically when it comes to shooting that I am okay with. 73 ball, 72 mid-range shots, also dunking-wise has a 70 there for both standing and driving, 71 layup. I don't think they got every single level to his game down, though, and there's a lot of different aspects, and that's why you can kind of let some things slip through the cracks, but it just doesn't look like they watched him near enough. Dunking-wise, I I like it. I think three-point shooting, he can do that. That's definitely part of his arsenal. But they didn't give him a very good playmaking, for example, 62 ball handling, 59 accuracy, and he did turn over, he did turn over a lot. So it's like, I guess if you're just looking at straight up stats from the season, it makes sense to rate him low. But he had a lot of crazy, crazy passes he was gunning out. And then also like in the post, did you guys remember the footwork where he'd drive in from the top of the key, he'd pivot down And then he just like spin around someone, like wrap his arms around or yeah, I guess around somebody to take a layup like scoop shot. And he'd actually make it a decent bit too. So they didn't give him like any post game. They didn't give him much speed, not really an athlete. But the one thing is he's literally seven feet tall. So it really does not matter. I know whenever I used to play a ton and I'm asking, I'm acting like I don't play now um but i know bull bull is another one of these guys where like seven footers seven foot two guys they don't have to necessarily be amazing at handling or they don't have to have a crazy speed with the basketball they're just fast because they're huge and they don't know how to kind of balance the player models so even though there's a 60 speed right here i would think it feels a lot quicker than that um but you know you never know i feel like 2k they they did not give him very good stats to begin with. So I think in-game, he'll be pretty fun to utilize. I'm not sure on the offline aspect, though, because they did not really give him all that well of um, stats to kind of build off of. But anyways, moving on to the other sophomore on the roster, Teo Maladon also clocks in at a 74 overall. And unlike Alexei Pokashevsky, where they really didn't really give him a lot of attributes, they kind of just gave him outside shooting and that's all you got Teo he's got kind of the same blend as Ty Jerome did in a sense where his big kind of bread and butter plays are going to come from shooting the three or playmaking and 
he's very, very good at that. Like, we know, and we didn't get to see a ton because of, you know, SGA and everyone else ahead of him. But when he got drafted, a lot of that was just due to the fact that he was an insane passer. I mean, you put him up in the half court, you set him a high ball screen, he's going to dish it out to the man in the corner. Dude could be blindfolded, doesn't even know where he is. He's going to hit you on a dime. So they gave him an 84 passing accuracy. That's his highest category outside of like IQ and such. Um, And then 83 ball handles coming right behind that. So I really like what they did there in terms of passing. That's his big, big kind of selling point. But also he can shoot a bit. I mean, he has a 77-3, 78 mid-range, 80 close shot and a 79 layup. So he'll be able to get things done for you. And at six foot five, he's got a 77 speed, which is not all that bad. One thing that I was kind of curious about with Teo and they did give it to him, which I'm really happy about is they gave him two finishing badges and they're like the two things that I kind of uh, look in, you know, whenever I think of Teo Maladin, I kind of would think of these two badges anyways. Slithery finisher, which is meant for taking contact around the basket, and then teardropper, which is just floaters and runners, which that was his calling card. It didn't go in all that much, but I think the fact that he just took it all the time should have given him this badge, so I'm really happy they went there with him. I know with his face scan, he has like a giant head in proportion to his body. Dude is Jack now. They really didn't give, get that right on him, but... <laughs> It is what it is. I think they did just fine with Teo Maladone. And with Isaiah Roby, they also did a pretty decent job giving him a 74 overall, just like the last two guys I listed. Now, they have kind of this tendency, and they keep doing it, where you're seeing these guys being very good at shooting the three, you know, mid-70s, low-70s, but then not much else. And I think they got Isaiah Roby kind of wrong here because... Isaiah is one of those more well-rounded, clean-cut guys. He doesn't have one attribute that I'm putting ahead of the other. They made him a guy who's very good at shooting, or all right at shooting, I should say, 69-3, mid. That makes sense to me. Uh, but also athleticism, just his speed being a little bit above average for the typical front court figure. Problem is, they did not give him any sort of playmaking. They didn't make him good at passing as a 48 passing accuracy, a 55 ball handling. And defensively, he has a 62 interior defense and a 70 perimeter defense. Everything is under a 63 overall defensively for him, which is ridiculous. We all know that Isaiah Roby, although he wasn't amazing every single night, he could provide decent defense 1 through 5, and I'd probably say 3 through 5 when you want to hone it down, but he's he's pretty sturdy there. I don't think they did a very good job um, in messing around with him, but they did, get, they did give him a 74, which I guess is pretty modest for where he's currently at. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just a bit interesting how they decided to uh, kind of divvy things out with him. But moving beyond Isaiah Roby, Gabrielle Deck is a 74 overall, and I have news for him. I'll tell you guys about that in a little bit. First off, though, they did a horrendous job in making it look like Gabrielle Deck. They used like a already base player model. You could have the exact same face as Gabrielle Deck on your characters because they didn't scan them in. Um, but the overalls are actually a lot better than some of the other guys I've listed at 74. Three-point shootings, that is 77. 
And with Real Madrid, he was a good shooter, was not a good one with the Thunder. I'm more curious to see how he shoots the basketball in the game. Um, but it looks like he'll be proficient if he's wide open. Outside of that, I don't see a lot. Defensively, he is really bad. 66 lateral quickness, everything else. You're lucky if it's in the high 50s. Playmaking, 74 pass accuracy. I think they did a good job there. And then his speed is in the high 60s. So it makes sense. I think, um, you know, he does have some room to grow here. Defensively, it's all bad. But I don't think he was overly impressive on defense. He did have a couple good stand-up plays against Zion Williamson think they gave a little bit too much generosity in terms of three-point shooting not enough love when it came to post shots because he only has like 60s in the post game but going beyond Gabrielle deck you have another 74 overall and this is what i'm talking about where they did not really separate people much kenrich williams 74 i think you know he's better than a lot of the guys i've previously listed like Gabrielle Deck, for example. Sorry to single him out, but Kendrick Williams was great last season. Uh, and they gave him decent stats again, just like Deck, where good at outside shooting, 79-3, 81 mid-range. Athletically, he's all right. 60s for speed and such. But what about defense? That was his main thing. Whenever he got picked up in that, you know, mega Steven Adams trade, I thought the Thunder weren't going to keep him. I don't think many actually had that mindset. But um, whenever we got Kenrich Williams, he was meant to be a defender. That's what he was with the Pelicans. That's what he was with TCU. He turned into an amazing three-point shooter, and they got the three ball right, but they did not get defending well. 62 interior defense, 63 perimeter defense. He's a way better defender than an Isaiah Roby or a Gabrielle Deck on both sides of the spectrum there. And I just don't understand like who... Who kind of drew that up? Maybe he doesn't have a lot of good stats until you look into the advanced ones, but he's all over the basketball, anywhere. He wants to take Ennis Cantor. He wants to take Jokic. Whoever's down in the paint, he'll take him. He also wants to take a guy like James Harden up top. So really just not a good job from them and ranking him. But hey, is what it is, man. And then you kind of get that drop off. No 73 overalls somehow. There's a 72 though, and it is Trey Mann. And just like Josh Giddy, he's not a 72 overall. He should be much higher. And the reason why is there's a stat called intangibles. If you have a low intangibles, you're going to be a lower overall. If you have a 99 intangibles, Trey Mann's probably an 85 here. It's just kind of the, the gist of how they do things, kind of the trickery to keep some overalls lower for whatever reason they choose to do so. But yeah, he's kind of a hidden 75, 76 overall, 79 mid-range, 79, three, 83 free throw. So he's got it all when it comes to shooting the ball around 74 speed and acceleration. That's good for six foot five passing 80, 83 ball handling, and then laying it in, he's got a 79 layup. So he's kind of like Teo Maladone, I think, when you check um, what his actual statistics look like. No badges, just like Josh Giddy though. And no three-point tendency, just like Josh Giddy. And they're going to change that. I know for a fact that will be something on the checklist. Now, let's just be real here. I think in terms of what the priority list is for 2K, I don't like the Thunder and... Editing those stats are 
really a big deal for them. They have a lot of things to worry about, and it doesn't make them any money. They got to look at the bottom line here, and I don't think upgrading Trey Mann is going to do so. So maybe in a month we'll get Josh Gideon Trey Mann to realistic stats. You guys can change it at home if you want to play it, though. Uh, I'd probably put him at like a 50 or 60 because he does shoot the three ball a lot. Didn't show it a lot in the summer league, but definitely was his main deal with the Florida Gators. So he'll be a fun guy to use off the bench. Another guy who could be pretty fun to use is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Absolute standout from the summer league. They had to give him some decent stats here, and just like Trey Mann, low, low intangibles, only a 50 with him. I think they kind of gave him more of what I'd give Isaiah Roby, actually, because he has a 71 close, 66 mid-range, and a 68-3, just solid everywhere. When it comes to slashing inside, 70 layup, 70 driving dunk, 70 standing dunk, athletically, also, 62 speed that's not crazy but you need to take into account his position and then passing wise this is the big deal 69 ball handling and a 65 passing accuracy that's the kind of numbers Isaiah Roby should have because he is a crafty playmaker they didn't do that with him they did it with Jeremiah Robinson Earl and then they rounded out with decent rebounding stats both in the upper 60s defending kind of up and down with him but I kind of understand it because he is a rookie they got it right with Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I believe. They could have used this mold with a lot of different players because that's just kind of how the Thunder roster is currently constructed. Um, but I'm not going to complain about it. Very good when you look at him uh, and some of the other second rounders. I think Sharif Cooper, they had to give a really high overall just because the buzz he's garnered. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl, pretty sneaky option at a 70 overall. And you, once you get past Jeremiah Robinson Earl, there's actually three people who don't even hit the 70 mark, which is kind of an oddity. You don't see that a lot on the 2K games anymore. There's these tiers, and everyone's kind of just meshed into that 70 ranking. Jalen Horde, who's not on the Thunder, I don't really expect him to be, given what the team looks like now, but they have him on this roster. Um, they did last year, too. They put him at a 69, and I think it's still worth kind of mentioning him a little bit because he is kind of just known for being able to dunk, get to the foul line, and a little bit of defense. That's kind of his strong suit, 75 driving dunk. Defensively, 73 lateral quickness. They actually had his perimeter defense a lot higher than his interior, which is a little iffy. Um, They just kind of made him an athlete who doesn't have any shooting abilities, so it might be tough to use Jalen Horde. I don't know if he's going to be on the day one rosters, though. Same goes with Charlie Brown Jr. They put him at a 69 overall. Unlike Jalen Horde, they actually gave him some decent ratings. 79-3, 76 mid-range, ball handling's at a 77, and then he can kind of move around just a little bit with a 76 speed. But it's not like he's crazy. I will say, though, I'm not going to put him at a 79-3 ball. What is she, What has he shown that would make me put him at a 79-3 ball? You got to keep in mind, Ty Jerome's an 82, SGA's an 83. No, no way on earth, man. So they were really nice in giving these ratings to him. I don't know. I, he's he's obviously not going to play in a simulated game. I don't think many people would want to run him in general, but they were pretty generous, and they put him actually above Josh Hall, which 
you know, Josh Hall, it's not like he's gotten a lot of playing time anyways, so I could see why they lowball him. I think he was actually the lowest player in 2K21 last year, and this might be the same case this season. He is a 66 overall, and he just has the most baseline palette of all time. 80 driving dunk, 63 ball, really no playmaking ability, 44 pass, 56 ball handling. They, they got that wrong, uh, and a 69 speed. He's meant to be a guy like a Baisley where he can slash to the basket and he has a decent grip at passing the basketball around. Maybe not as good of a three. They didn't give him a three, which I understand. I like what they did when it comes to driving inside, but they just left out his playmaking uh, completely. So a little bit annoying is what it is. I think the main people, though, you got to focus on SGA, Lou Dort, some of those other guys that you might see starting, and of course, your palette of rookies. One thing I'll note, no Vit Crenchy yet. He just got signed, so I think they have a rain check there for right now. Also, nothing from Aaron Wiggins off that two-way contract. They bring in two-way guys. Josh Hall was one of them last season, and Moses Brown, before uh, signing his major deal, was actually in the game. And a lot of it has to do with contracts. They sign these multi-year contracts, I believe, uh, and then they're up for extension. So a guy like Moses Brown, he was on the Trailblazers. He was actually on rosters prior to the Thunder. So they, he might have already been on a deal. I don't think they would have signed it because he was on a two-way. Um, but that's just kind of how the system works. So they'll probably be around uh, once the regular season kicks off in about a month's time. But that's going to round things out in terms of the 2K rankings. Got a gap of 20 between the highest in SGA and the lowest in Josh Hall. A lot of guys in the middle of the pack. I have a lot of question marks surrounding the ratings. If you guys do too, make sure to hit me up. You guys can find me at Ben Kreider or you guys can just go to at Thunderstick Pod and I will gladly talk with you all. But before I get into my next segment about Gabrielle Deck, I want to let you guys know about my friends at DraftKings Sportsbook and the major deal that they have right now. NFL football has started. Cowboys played on Thursday, got a lot of games for Sunday. A lot of excitement going into this and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a really good deal. You guys can bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and you can receive $200 in free bets instantly no matter what. Here's all you have to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys, we got some new news surrounding Gabrielle Deck. And I feel like I talked about him like a week ago. Maybe even less than a week. It's just every so often we hear news 
and it's flipping and flopping between Real Madrid, FC Barcelona. Oh, wait, he's coming back to Bricktown? We can never dial it in. Uh, we finally know, though, and we don't know about the contract, but we know Gabriel Deck will be returning to Oklahoma City in anticipation and preparation for preseason play. And this was first reported by Team Tortu Deck on Twitter. And this actually does have a pretty good standing and reputation. I did have to check it because it wasn't verified or anything like that. But this is an account run by Dex Communications team. So multiple people are in on this. And I, I'm i assuming they were covering whenever Deck was going to the Olympics, such and such. Might have been there whenever Deck was actually heading over to Oklahoma City the first time. But it, he's going to be coming back a second time. And this probably means that he will be back for regular season play next year. And the reason I say this is because we've got training camps starting up very, very soon here. And Gabriel Deck, if he's coming back, he's going to have his contract guaranteed before you start seeing media day and preseason. All this stuff happens after Deck is supposed to get his money, and his paycheck becomes fully guaranteed on September 20th. It's non-guaranteed right now, so the Thunder could have axed his deal. They wouldn't pay anything. It's $3.6 million, but it looks like they're going to hold on to him, and it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you guys know, like, I'm pretty sure the Pistons have more dead cap than the Thunder do in legit cap right now because of all the different buyouts and such that they've conducted, like with DeAndre Jordan and all that. But yeah, they don't have a lot of money, and or the Thunder do have a lot of money. They might just want to be hitting that salary floor, and Gabrielle Deck would get them $3.6 million closer. We know what to expect with Gabrielle Deck. 26-year-old, wrapped up his rookie campaign, averaging 8.4 points, 4 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. Big thing though, and this is why it's like, why did he have that high 2K rating uh, from distance? He only shot 13.3%, and he only got to play 10 games, so I understand why it might be pretty low. Um, but yeah, the jumper is kind of slow, might need some fixation to it, but I do like him as a passer. I want to kind of see where he fits in this rotation, though, because you look at what the Thunder currently have at the 3 and the 4, because that's where he plays. They're kind of already filled to the brim already. I mean, they have Lou Dort if he's going to play at small forward. If not, Josh Giddy would absorb some of those minutes, I would believe. Darius Baisley and Alexei Pokashevsky, yes, they're typically power forwards, but could they slide to the three? They absolutely could. Isaiah Roby can play the three through five. Jeremiah Robinson Earl can play at the four. Maybe Kenrich Williams could play at the three too. So there's a lot of people ahead of him. I think, you know, age-wise, it does not help him. Even when you, you know, compare a 26-year-old in Kenrich Williams to a 26-year-old in Gabrielle Deck, I probably would pick Kenrich Williams um, you know, obviously that's up for debate, but I think Kenrich Williams is a bit more refined than Deck is. I don't know if we'd use Deck as a trade chip. I don't know what kind of offers he'd even give you. I do kind of enjoy the fact that they want to keep bringing in these tall playmakers. I've seen Deck reported at six foot six. I know on basketball reference, he's six foot eight, so I'll put him there. He's meant to be a playmaker. At 6'8", Josh Giddy's also 6'8", Vic Crutchy's also 6'8", and Alexei Pokashevsky is 7 feet tall. And even Darius Baisley, if you want to include him, he's like 6'9", 
six foot eight, you know, right around that ballpark. So you could throw out the craziest lineups probably in NBA history if Mark Dagnall chose to do so. Would he do it? I don't think he would. I don't know. I don't know how you'd even get to that point where you'd be like, oh yeah, we're going to run out the five super tall, like monster playmakers, but it could happen. And that would be probably the most exciting day in Thunder history to see something like that roll out. But yeah, Deck's going to have to compete. I'd assume though, he would be locked up with a contract. And if that's the case, that means the Thunder have solidified a 17-man roster, 15 guys on the Thunder, and then two guys in Josh Hall and Aaron Wiggins who are going to be on the two-way contracts. That leaves a lot of guys out. Charlie Brown Jr. and Jalen Horde, those are the two notables that would not be returning. Also need to keep in mind some of the guys from the G League, like a Rob Edwards, for example. And I do not know what the Thunder are going to do for training camp. I would be flabbergasted if they did not have 18, 19, maybe even 20 people heading into training camp. It just makes too much sense. It's a low-risk play, and you can uncover some diamonds. They uncovered one in Frank Jackson, for example, last year, and they didn't keep him. You know, he's on a two-year deal with the Detroit Pistons now because of the opportunity he got. And I think they could actually give a serious opportunity to a guy like Rob Edwards or to just anyone who, to this point, has been underlooked by the other 29, I guess even 30 franchises around the NBA. But they're going to have some time to think about it with guys that are 26, guys that are 30. You do want to have that backbone and you do always want to have that veteran presence. Always fun to look into what could be some potential uh, elsewhere though. So we'll see how the Thunder choose to go about this. Right now though, it looks like everything is set in stone with Gabrielle Deck. And if he is returning, it is going to be very intriguing to see how he is utilized on the team. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.